0: God bless you. We appreciate them coming on, and so we believe there's good things ahead, and, um, uh, you know, it's exciting. You can be seated this morning. It's exciting to see what God's doing, um, and I sense, just this morning, I just sense a favor on that, you know. There's just, uh, there's. I feel a Holy Ghost approval on this decision, and so we will look for fruit in the days ahead. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to Hebrews chapter 6? Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to read verses 7 through 12 in a moment. I want to preach on the subject of better things this morning. How many could use some better things in your life? The book of Hebrews, in one way, is described as a book on better things. The word better is used 13 times in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews talks about, beyond other things, it talks about a better hope, a better covenant, better promises, a better possession in heaven, a better resurrection. And so there's a theme to the book of Hebrews about better things. And Hebrews speaks to us uh, as believers about these better things. And as we look out on a world that's deteriorating, and, and descending you know, into all kinds of madness and chaos, uh, God has a plan for our lives, uh, and that plan is that we would experience the blessing of better things in our lives. And I want to preach a very encouraging message this morning. This is not... A message of condemnation or to say you're not doing enough you know can't you do better the promise that we read in this scripture is an uplifting promise uh, it's something that God has uh, expectations about us uh, but also it is a promise of hope that God can perform better things in our lives so let's go ahead and read Hebrews chapter 6 verses 7 through 12. It says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it, and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And I want to begin this morning and talk about great expectations. You know, God has created an environment for all of us to prosper and for all of us to do good. You know, it says there in 7 and 8 the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those things, uh, useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed. uh, whose end is to be burned, and so God says that he has given things to the earth, uh, amen, for it to be, for it to prosper, and for it to be a blessing, and we have received blessing from God, and God expects good things from our lives, and even people who We think are atheists and don't know God. God has said he has revealed himself to them in a certain way. And he expects certain things from people upon the earth. In Romans 1, 18 through 21, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. You can read the rest of Romans 1 and what it descended, how people descended into immoral behavior and godlessness and being unthankful and being violent, all kinds of things that are happening in their lives. But God says that he has revealed himself to everybody, that since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. And so there's a part of God, you know, there's no real true atheist, God has revealed Himself to mankind. You can look at nature. How do you look at nature? How do you look at planet Earth in comparison and think there's no God? There's something unique about planet. there's something unique about life. There's something unique about people. The way we're designed, and to look at that and just say, "Well, it's just you know this Big Bang. This all this happened. You know, it's foolishness." And God says uh, the witness is in ourselves that that God has created uh, uh, this world and this Earth and people to be a testimony to people. And and he says, what happens is they suppress the truth. They, they push the truth down. It says, because they, when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so we see that God expects things uh, from this life and this world, that you can't go through, oh, I'm just doing my own thing. When God says, hey, I'm giving you an environment where you can prosper, you can do well in life. I'm giving you an environment where you can know me and have a personal relationship with me. And if you don't do that, then you're going to head in a bad direction. We as believers especially are expected to bear fruit from what we have received from God. You know, people get condemned sometimes because they struggle with personal fruitfulness, you know, I haven't won many souls, you know, people have that battle in their mind, and so fruitfulness uh, has a larger scope than just how many notches you have on your Bible, you know what I'm saying, is that how many people you pray with on an outreach, that fruitfulness goes well beyond that, in Galatians 5, and 23 says, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And so there's fruit that is beyond just praying with people to get saved. But God looks from our lives, amen, He looks that He's given us an environment, especially a spiritual environment in the church, that we would bear fruit. He's given us the the elements, amen, he's given us the spiritual nutrition to grow and to change and expects us to take what we have received and bear fruit with it. In Luke 12, 42 through 48, it says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, uh, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And the servant who knew his master's will. And did not prepare himself, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required; and to him, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And so Jesus is saying here. He says, "Hey, you know, I've given you a life. He says, I want to see things from your life." I want to see fruit. I want to see change. I want to see transformation in your life. You know, Jesus cursed the fig tree that didn't bear fruit. Remember that? And the disciples were freaked out. Wow, God, what's going on, man? Kind of harsh. He says, hey, I put this here to bear fruit. And and I want to see fruit. And so there's the expectation of better things in our lives. And 1 Peter 4.10 says, for each one of us has received a gift. Minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so God has expectations from our lives. And again this morning, I'm not preaching this as, you you know, you need to do more. You're not doing enough. What I'm preaching this is, and my next point is better things are a hope. It is a hope for us that we can enter into better things in our lives. That we can experience the blessing of the nutrients that God's the spiritual nutrients that God sends into our lives. We can enter into better things. Verse 9 of our text. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation though we speak uh, in this manner, the, the New Living Translation says, Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. And so he's speaking this to the Hebrews uh, as a hope. He's saying, listen, there's, there's good things ahead. You know, you need an expectation of the future There is so much gloom and doom in this world. There are so many, you know, negative talking heads and you read the news, you can get depressed pretty quickly and we need something, amen, to strive for. God wants us to have an anticipation for the future. He wants us to have a hope of better things in the future, regardless of what's happening in this world. Life can be dreary and discouraging sometimes. And Hebrews wants us to lift our eyes to the promise that God has better things. In Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, David in a time, dark time in his life, he's running from his son Absalom, who's trying to kill him. And he says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me, many are they who... Who saved me? There is no help for him in God, Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. What's he saying is David, he's walking and his head is hung down. He's fleeing his his son. It's a dark time. He's he's got all these things coming against his life. But he said, God, you are the glory and the one who lifts up my head. Causes me to see that there's going to be better days ahead. I'm experiencing a dark time in my life right now, but there are better things ahead. The truth is, most of us struggle with the better things that God has for us. You know, you look at how God called the kings and the prophets in the Old Testament, and how many times there was usually a wrestling match with them trying to be brought into the better things that God had for them. We think of Moses, you know, I can't talk, you know, uh, you know I, I can't, what am I going to say? And God has to, you know, win him over. We can think about Gideon. You know Gideon. You know he's. Uh, uh, you, you know God's calling him, and he says, "You mighty mountain valley." And he's hiding in the wine press, and he's he's trying to figure out what to do with his life. And God's trying to encourage him. Hey, I'm going to use you. And he has to be talked into it. He does the whole fleece thing. You know, Are you sure you're you're talking to me? You know, I think you I think you missed it, God. I think you need to be talking to somebody else. There's Saul. When God called Saul, you know that He says, "Hey, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm from the I'm from the smallest tribe. Why are you calling?" All throughout the Word of God, we see this, and we have a hard time believing that God would call us into something greater. That God would call us something into something better for our lives. One of the great illustrations uh, is the is when God calls the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter one verses four through eight, He says, "Then the Word of the Lord came to me saying." Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So here's God. He says, look, Jeremiah, I've had a plan for you from before you were born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Man, that's some plans right there. Before he was even born, God had a plan for his life. You know, this is a great argument against abortion is that God has a plan for people before they're ever born. Never mind, you know, whether they're viable in the womb. God has a plan for people before they're ever born. What does Jeremiah say? I can't do that. I'm too young. I can't do that. I'm I'm but a youth. And what does God tell him? God says, do not say, I am a youth. What's he saying? He's saying, don't say that about yourself. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of better things. God moves upon us. That can't be God, man. That was something crazy. Maybe he ate too much pizza last night or something. You know what I mean? I had this dream of God doing something good. We all, you know, we, a lot of times we, we get these ideas, and, and sometimes they are Holy Ghost uh, inspired ideas how God wants to use us, but we begin to talk ourselves out. I can't do that. I'm but a youth. Uh, I'm from the smallest tribe. I can't speak. We come up with all kinds of things, and God many times in his mercy will prevail upon us and try to uh, convince us to step. Into what he has for us, he tells Jeremiah, Don't say, I'm a youth, don't say that about yourself, don't speak negatively about yourself. Does that mean that we just, you know, all become narcissists? You know, we're just that we, you know, exalt ourselves? No, but God is saying, There's something unique. uh, about my working in your life when I'm bringing you into better things. You need to pay attention to that, and you need to tap into that, and you need to pursue that because I want to bring you into better things in your life. I thought this scripture, I don't think I put it in the notes, but the vision that Peter has when he's on the roof in Acts chapter 10 And he has a vision of all the unclean animals that are lowered down the sheet. And Jesus says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. Uh, uh, A voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. That word common means ordinary or unclean. And Jesus Jesus tells Peter, he says, if I've cleansed it, it's no longer common. It's no longer ordinary. It's no longer unclean. How many of you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus this morning? The Bible says you are no longer common. You are no longer unclean. But God has a different way of describing you. And he's telling Peter this vision to send him to the Gentiles that he's going to begin to move in the Gentiles. And he has to convince Peter, that, hey, listen, Peter, you need to get past this stronghold in your mind that, that you know, that faith and the Spirit of God is only for the Jewish race. He says, I'm expanding. All nations are going to be touched by me. And you have to have this understanding in your mind that I'm going to move powerfully in all people everywhere throughout the earth. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 13 God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You know, when I was studying for this, I realized what a perfect companion scripture this is for Hebrews 6. Because Hebrews 6, we just read, For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it, and bears herbs useful for those who is cultivated, receives blessing from God, but if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected near to being cursed. Now God is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What does that mean? That means sometimes God thinks more elevated about our lives than we do. How he can use our lives, the potential of our lives, the potential of better things. Well, I think I could probably maybe get right here. I think maybe I could probably do this. God says, oh, no, no, I'm thinking way up here. Way up here. And what he's saying is that the nutrients that I'm giving you are going to cause that fruit to bear in your life. And he says, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Um, and it shall be, a, it, uh, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. He said the things that used to curse your life, they're going to go away. I'm going to bring blessing in your life. I'm sending nutrients into your lives uh, for better things. Isaiah in Hebrews is the same message. God says, I have better things for you. One problem is we're always expecting a curse. <laughs> How many of you know? You know, before I got saved, I had this philosophy that's just... I always thought everything negative was going to happen. That way, if something good happened, I was surprised, you know. And part of it was the sinful life I was living, so, I, you know, I had reason to expect bad things. But, but you know, I kind of had this, it's not going to work out. Not, and so when something good, oh, I was all pleasantly surprised. Some people live their whole life like that. It's like, you know, they're not really anticipating God doing something powerful in your life. Not really anticipating excelling in some arena of life. A relationship, business, uh, uh, you know, school, whatever it may be that God, you know, has put upon your heart. God says, I have better things for you and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Negative thinking, especially about ourselves, is not from God. Now, this is not some kind of, um, um, you know, positive mental attitude types. But listen, there is truth to this in the word of God. We have to think in light of faith about our lives and how God wants to use us. Carolyn Leaf wrote a book, maybe many of you have read it, called Switch on Your Brain. Very good book. If you've never read it, I encourage you to either listen to it or read it, really help you. But in the book, she said, the ability to quiet your mind, focus your attention on the present issue, capture your thoughts, And dismiss the distractions that come your way as an excellent, powerful ability that God has placed within you. And so what she's saying is that through the Spirit of God working in our lives, he wants us to capture negative thoughts that invade our mind. And she uses the scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So you have to capture those initial invasive thoughts, uh, the negative thoughts that come against your life, that come against your ministry, that come against your future, that come against what God has for you in your life. You have to capture those things and say, you know what, that is not from God. That is not from, that is not from heaven. She goes on to say, when you make a conscious decision to focus and direct your attention correctly... You change physical matter. Your brain and body change in a healthy way. Purposely catching your thoughts can control the brain's sensory processing, the brain's rewiring, the neurotransmitters, ge- the genetic expression and cellular activity in a positive or negative direction. You choose. My patients, who were successful in therapy, took their first steps to success when they started focusing their attention and capturing their thoughts. For example, I can't do this it's too hard. It's never worked before. And I'm not smart enough. The benefits of catching any negative thoughts like these cannot be emphasized enough. Not catching those thoughts will lead to a potential spiral into confusion and varying levels of mental despair. How many of you know you can get into a crazy cycle? I, I used the term on Bible study and I hadn't, they hadn't heard it before. Stinking thinking. You ever heard of stinking thinking? <laughs> You get into a cycle of where you just, this, and you start spiraling down in your mind about how negative things are going to turn This is never going to happen. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get out of debt. My marriage is never going to get better. This is never going to happen. And you can spiral down in that. You have to capture those thoughts. Say, wait a minute, that's not the voice of God. That's not the voice of God speaking to me. That's that's another voice. And, you know, you can be real about yourself and still be expecting for God. It's not that that we're made out of this great material. But God chooses to use people to show his power, not our own glory. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So what I'm saying this morning is that God wanting better things is not about him building on we are so great. It's about His power working in our lives, that we're trusting Him to bring better things, and we're trusting in His power, what He's able to do in us, not what we are able to do in ourselves, because we are nobody in ourselves. It's not about us and our great potential. It's about God working in and through our lives to bring us into better things. So I want to close this morning and talk about the promise of a better future. Better things include a better future. In verses 9 through 12, it says, But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the, until the end, that you do not become sluggish. imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises and so the writer to the Hebrews is saying hey maybe you haven't realized all those promises yet right how many of you know how you have some promises you haven't realized yet he says hey maybe you haven't realized those promises yet he says but don't become sluggish don't pull away he says but through faith and patience you will inherit the promise. And he says, better things are ahead. You may not be experiencing them now. He says, but I do have a promise for you in the future. Proverbs ten twenty eight says, the hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The hope of the righteous will be gladness. In other words, we can have an expectant future in our lives. Even in severe setbacks, and discouraging circumstances, God wants us to believe for better things. And this is one of the, you know, people um, quote this scripture all the time, but they don't know the background of it. In Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 6, and I'll read verse 11, which everybody, almost all sinners know verse 11. But listen to what God says, Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 6 and 11 Thus says the Lord, God of, uh, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem Babylon. So what's happened is God's people have been taken in, in bondage to Babylon. They've been taken out of their native land. God is punishing the nation of Israel for their unrepentant sin, and they're now being held captive in Babylon. He said, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands uh, so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. Verse 11, for now I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So that, that whole thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope came from the background of them going, being carried away into bondage. How I many of you know? It's one thing to believe God for a better end when nothing's going on, but when you're when you're walking to Babylon to be a slave, when you're walking to Babylon being under oppression by another government, you know God's saying, "Hey, make plans, build houses, plant gardens." It, what's God saying? He said, "There's better things ahead." This is temporary. I mean, I'm going to bring you out of Babylon at some point. But he says, don't just just bide your time. Don't just sit in Babylon waiting for the time to expire. He said, I want you engaged in life. And so no matter where you find yourself in life this morning, maybe your life is not in a pleasant place this morning. Maybe you're experiencing consequences from your sin. Maybe you're experiencing consequences from other people's sin against you. God says, build houses. Plant gardens. Get married, have kids, hallelujah. Preach it, Brother Steve, hallelujah. <laughs> Make plans for the future. See, God's, God's economy, what God is so much bigger than what the world is doing or what you see around you in your current life. And, you know, just as, as, as a closing, your life doesn't have to be bad to desire to want to be better. When I'm preaching this morning, you know, I'm not saying that hey, you know, my life is really crummy. I need to make it better. You can have a good marriage and want a better marriage. You can have a good prayer life and want a better prayer life. You can have a better study life of the word of God and want a better study life. One of the things that motivates me in my ministry and everything I do is God, you know, there's things that I'm, you know, I labor for and I give myself to, but God, how can we do it better? Not not as a condemnation, you're not doing it right, you can never do anything right. But God, how can we make this better? Man, if that's the motivating force of your life, I'm telling you, there's blessing ahead of you. If you will enter into that, God, how can I make this better? What can I do better? How can I make this more fruitful? How can I be closer to you? And not in a way of that, that what I have now is not good. I have a good prayer life. I have a good relationship with God. You know, I have many good things in my life, but I want better things. And I think that should motivate all of us. Some people, all they have is nostalgia. Looking back on better days. Well, oh, I remember the good old days. In the 70s, there was a TV show called Happy Days. Some of you, most of you don't remember that. But it was about the 70s. They are looking back on the 50s. And they're at the malt shop, you know, and they're having a good time. And so people from the 70s are going, man, I wish we could live back in the 50s. And it was this, it was this longing for a time of the past. How many of you know we do that in our lives? We think better days are behind us. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 8 and 10 says, The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Verse 10, Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For you do not, you do not inquire wisely concerning this. He's saying, Hey, don't think that you know, better days are behind you. Better days are ahead. I said before, your car has a big windshield, and it has a very small rearview mirror. That's because your focus needs to be on what's ahead, not what's behind. And that would do some of you well in the spiritual realm. Look at what's ahead in your life. Not what's, if you're always focusing on what's behind you, you're going to rear in the person in front of you. So God has a plan for the future. You can't let those objects, what's an object in the rearview mirror maybe larger than they appear? You know, that's that's the true of our past. Sometimes the things of our past are a lot bigger than than you know than they're looking a lot bigger than what they really are. Sometimes we look back and say, hey, it was so good back then. Yeah. You know, when I was in the 70s, I didn't want to live in the fifties. I like the cars of the 70s better. So this is what I'm saying this morning, is that God has better things for us. The, the, the Bible is a book of pos- positive outlook. And Hebrews, a better covenant, a better resurrection, you know, a better way, uh, you know, all things. The, the word better is used 13 times in the book of Hebrews because he's telling God's people, hey, I am, I mean, there's things that, the things that accompany salvation. Let me, let me say it again, verse 9, and we'll close. He said, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. So, the things that accompany salvation are better things. Better than any plan the devil has for your life. Better than any plan the world has for your life. The things that accompany salvation are better things. And you can give yourself to the things of God, you can give yourself to a hope for the future. And believe God to bring blessing in your life. He's sending you nutrients uh, of his spirit, his word, his presence, uh, amen, to minister to your life that you might have a hope for the future. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed this morning. Appreciate you today. I really felt stirred about this message better things. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ 43 years ago, I really needed some better things in my life. My life was not a life of better things. It was a life of bath, a life of addiction, immorality, all kinds of things I was experiencing in my life. And you know, when I came into the life of faith, I was always puzzled by Christians because they didn't have the paraphernalia, the outward things that I thought would bring happiness. But, you know, when I got saved, I realized, man, I'm entering into something so much better than what I had. God has so much more better things in my life than anything I could provide for myself or the world's plan for my life. And God has better things for you today. Maybe you're here in this place and you're not right with God. You're unsaved this morning. Perhaps you're backslidden. You're away from God. Maybe there's something working in your life that has pulled you away from your intimate relationship with God, and God is calling you home this morning. Whatever the case, we want to give people an opportunity to respond before we go any further. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not a believing Christian, you don't have a relationship with the living God, or perhaps you're backslidden, you're far away from God and you'd like to make things right with God before you leave this place would you slip up your hand put it right back down God will help you today amen does anybody hear it all slip up your hand put it right back down church this morning the motivating factor of this message was not and I wanted to be careful too I'm not saying you're not doing enough you need to do better you know how many of you heard that no matter how hard you try hey you could do better well sometimes we give it all you know Sometimes we're giving our best. So that wasn't my motivation this morning. My motivation is that you see the hope of better things in your life, that God really does have a future for you. No matter where you find yourself, God spoke the hope of a future of peace to a nation that was going into bondage, that was going into some tough times. He says, listen, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I have better things ahead. And so all of us here this morning, you know, God wants to, why there's some people here. There you have some negative thinking in your life. You have some things that, you know, God stirs you about things. God speaks to you about things. You say, man, that's just crazy. I don't know why I'm thinking that. You talk yourself out of it, and God would just speak to you. You say, if you will capture that thought, that initial invasive thought, and, and say, you know what, that's not from God. God does have a plan for my life. And through patience, we inherit the promises of God. Sometimes there's a, there's a time lapse between doing the will of God and receiving the promise. That's normal for all of us. We can do the will of God for a period of time, maybe not see any breakthrough. But listen, there is a promise on the other side. Through faith, through faith and patience, you can inherit the promises of God. And so do not give up on your forward outlook in life that God does have a plan. God has a purpose. He has a future and expected end for you. These altars are open if you'd like to come and pray.